פרופסור אוף סייקולוגי, אמריטוס, אמריטוס פרום יוניברסיטי אוף תל אביב, אקספרט און פרנטינג, היי חיים, ‫האוקיינס. all kinds of behavior problems from routine daily things up to the most severe things like suicidal behavior, uh, you name it. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that all of us who, are, who have children uh, will be interested in, the, in your ideas because you know, it never stops. But... The, you always say that the to be a parent today is much harder than it used to be that's but, right but much harder but from the kids point of view I think it's very hard to be a, a kid for parents today but but <laughs> how we start with the parents why it's became so difficult more difficult now yeah but let's start with the parents okay it's more difficult for many reasons. First of all, parents are much more isolated today than in the past. Okay, the uh, extended family uh, has become, has disappeared actually, okay? It was a very influential factor uh, in previous generations, a lot of help, now it doesn't exist. Even the nuclear family has been split, okay? The rate of divorce is uh, very, very high. The percentage of single parents is also a very high. This is one of the reasons, parental isolation. Then the expectations from parents are much higher than in the past and less clear. Okay? In the past, okay, parents were supposed to uh, bring food to the table and to teach the difference between good and evil. You do that, you are a good parent. Today, the expectations are infinitely higher. Parents are expected to mold the child's care of them. To give you an idea of how profound this change is, consider the story of Pinocchio. Nobody, nobody would think to blame Geppetto for the troubles of Pinocchio, okay? Nobody. Today, everybody will blame today's Geppettos for the trouble of their, okay, of their Pinocchios, okay? This is an enormous change. Then a third thing is that Uh, parents had uh, the possibility to use physical force and let's say uh, very tyrannical forms of authority which we don't want anymore today which we reject completely today with good reason and yet nothing came to replace the right. thing no, no, say, no. we don't have any yeah we don't have any sanctions anymore So all of those things make parenting much, much more difficult than in the past. So what will substitute, you know, like today they don't have the tools to develop yeah. or any parents' authority. Um, we'll talk later about the influence of what's happened in society. Uh, yeah. School. But for now, just because you mentioned it, so what, is, what are the tools that you can, you, you think about or develop? Uh, I'll tell you what I... 
what what gave what was the clue to my model? Okay, there was a time we all we all know about it in the late sixties and afterwards, uh, when there was a kind of ideal in, in, in rearing children and bringing up children that children should be brought up in complete freedom or as much freedom as possible. Authority became a dirty word because it was identified with that kind of authority at once. Okay, so we don't want that anymore. So there was we might say that this is the perhaps. Okay, the largest educational experiment in the history of education at all, the attempt to rear children without the authority of old, without authority, okay, the, because there was this belief that every child is born with a kind of a seed of his own individuality in his soul, and that this seed can only grow, bloom, and flower without constraints spontaneously only with love, understanding, encouragement, because constraints would uh, distort this development. Okay, we all knew that song, Little Boxes by Pete Seeger, little boxes on the hillside, little boxes made of tiki-taki. This is the distortion, they become boxes, they become tiki-taki like this. And we don't want that. So there was this enormous okay, worldwide experiment in bringing up children without authority. Authority uh, became the problem and not the solution. Well, it failed. It failed badly. Okay? Not only we can look around and see that it failed, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of studies showing that children who grow up without limits, demands, constraints of some form, but the real demands and constraints, you can't do this and you have to do this. Again, children will grow without anybody telling him you must or you cannot grow up badly. So okay. how you do it? How can you enforce the, the notion if you don't do that? So the whole question, so we cannot do it without authority. And we have rejected the authority of old, which was based on distance, and on control over the child and a strict hierarchy, we don't want those anymore. And some slaps. So what what some uh, yeah, that, that, we, that we don't want anymore. Okay. We all agree we don't want. We also cannot have them anymore. It's not only we surely don't want, but we cannot. There's no way back to the authority vote. Heim, what would you so say? the challenge? Wait a minute, I'll finish. So the challenge for me was to define, to characterize a new kind of authority. I called it the new authority. An authority that would give the parents real strength, but not that kind of power that we don't want. So that I developed this concept of the new authority, parental authority, teacher authority, which instead, instead of being based on a distance, control of the child and hierarchy, strict hierarchy, should be based on presence, a consistent presence, a decided presence. I am your parent. I'll be there and I'll stay there. You cannot fire me. You cannot divorce me. You cannot get rid of me, okay? This is presence, decided presence. And instead of controlling the child, you will do what I say. 
Okay, we help the parents and also teachers to control themselves. Actually, they start saying, I will do what I say because it's my duty, because I can't give up on you, because I love you too much, but it is my duty and I'll do it. That's self-control. There are many things that we develop for building this self-control. And the third thing, instead of that kind of very steep hierarchy, parent at top, teacher at top, and the children underneath, okay, which we don't want. We have developed authority that is based on wide support and legitimization. That means we build a support system for the parents and for the teachers. From grandparents, uncles, aunts, friends, teachers, we create connection so that now the parents will have authority, but it's a completely different kind of authority, which is based on presence, self-control, and support, wide support. They get wide shoulders, broad shoulders. They not only stop saying, you will do what I say, they, start, they stop saying, I will do what I say. They start saying, we will do what we say, which is something completely different. That's the, the way we build this new authority. So it, so takes, that practice. Was... it takes practice. A person oh, yeah. has to almost train himself to change oh, yeah. because we yeah. like control. We sometimes cannot control our temper. Uh, yeah. You but know. there is a, a fine line that over the last maybe 40 years, I think, that parents became friends with their kids and they lose the, the authority of the parent. They become friendly with the kid. They speak the same language. They hang out. Especially together, our generation. And then they bring them back home uh, to help them forever. How do you keep the line between this to the other one? You know, if parents, in their attempt to be friends, they stop being parents, then the child okay, will be damaged. There is no doubt because the child is a parent. Okay, he he needs a, the parent as parent even more than he needs the parents as friends. Okay, very sure we're very sure about it. Okay, so that uh, those parents who come to us and say, "No, I want to be in exactly the same plane with the child." Okay, we try to say, okay, but maybe your child is missing something, okay, here, because a friend will not give the security, okay, the stability that a parent can give, okay, a friend cannot give security and stability, only a parent can give security and stability, so we talk like this to the parents, and it is not only that uh, we uh, propose those principles, presence, self-control, and support, okay, this broad shoulders. But we have developed ways, and that's what you said, CP, ways actually to train the parents to do that. We offer them concrete steps, oh. concrete procedures, and that's what it is. And the great majority of parents like this. How do we know? We know for sure that the great majority of parents accept those principles, those ideas, and identify with them. We know because we have made many studies on this new authority, okay? And we have shown for a whole series of, of clinical problems, practical problems like computer abuse, dangerous driving in teens, delinquent behaviors, uh, you name it, okay? The, the school refusal, 
all kinds, anxiety problems also, okay, that's very interesting, anxiety problems, children with anxiety problems. Yes. Need- Also students. Everybody. They need some parents. They need parents who give them safety and not parents who are just like dry winds. But they go to a psychologist, which is okay, or psychiatrist, and yeah. the place of psychologists, psychologists have actually diminished. And the psychiatrists give you pills, miracles, yeah, and some just it's diminished. So I found, so I found in many, many, many studies, okay, that this kind of new authority is highly acceptable for parents. We have shown that in all those studies that we have made, the dropout rate of parents from the treatment is the lowest in the whole literature. Okay, wow. parents pay in those treatments. They don't, and a big difference from other methods. So that actually parents are voting with their feet. They say, we are going to stay here because those things are going to help us. It is a, possibly this approach of the new authority is probably the only approach in which not only the child is at the center, but both the child and the parents. Right. We believe that parents need help no less than the child, and they I deserve don't help. I believe in it, but you know, a lot of, if you'll excuse me, I don't know if you see a difference between men and women. If I see- I found out the men uh, maybe go less for a treatment like this, men. Men, the, yeah. Men, they're ah, less, ah. less uh, inclined to go and seek advice. Are you want to, that men will be less uh, psychologically minded? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we started to check. Okay, in our research problem, we started to check uh, what was the percentage of father involvement right. that we were giving. Okay. So in the beginning, we saw that father involvement was not as good as we thought. And so we started to develop special ways of addressing fathers and of appealing to fathers. And now in the last studies that we have made, those are programs now for children with the, for the parents of children with ADHD, attention deficit disorder, we're getting between 90 and 95% Father engagement. Yeah, but that's Basically. something else. HD, you know, um, attention deficit. Yeah. I would not say it's because of the father or the mother, right? But if you come and fathers has to change their behavior toward the child. Yeah. yeah. This is where I feel that a lot are more uh, re reluctant, like reluctant to go. This is a, can you tell them about a problem? They don't associate with their behavior, they will come. But not if something associates with the father's behavior or the mother. But no, 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 no. Fathers come to get help for themselves as much as mothers. Okay. Yes. When fathers, when fathers, we talk to fathers, we say, look, this program is very concrete, very practical. They like hearing it. This program strengthens parents. You're going to be stronger than you thought it would be possible. Okay, in the past, not strong in this way, but strong in this way. You'll be more grounded, you'll be more anchored, and then more stable. And they say, well, that sounds interesting, practical, concrete, strong, they like this. Okay, so these are ways that we have, we have developed. And let's say that the father says, okay, but I, I don't believe in psychologists and so on. Say, so, okay, so we ask you only one thing, come for the first meeting. 
And then if you decide to, to stay out, please, okay, we'll respect you. So that we get them to come to the first meeting and the great majority stay, okay? Because they see, look, I'm going to gain something also for me, right. for my child, but also for me, so they stay. When we have fathers who say, okay, but okay, I don't need you, my wife, that's her problem, she'll come again. Say, okay, so I only ask you, will you allow us to uh, update you after meeting with your wife, who send uh -huh. an update with what we Wonderful. work with. And sometimes you'll make a modest request. And then they say, yes, yes, we haven't had any father who said, no, don't update. Sure not, they want to help. So they get, they, yeah, but, but then they become involved. And then when we have a favor to us and say, so please come to a meeting, one meeting now. So they come. Okay, and we get real engagement from fathers. They are real participants in this because, you know, they have very often become marginalized. Yes. Okay, very often. Okay, and, and uh, they are marginal and say, well, I stay out because you don't want to do what I what I believe right. in. Okay? But you know, they're also, it's painful being a marginal figure in your own family. So we can help them to demarginalize themselves. And that's how we get higher rates of engagement also by fathers. I mean, active, they become yeah. active. And many times we begin the changes with the fathers. Chaim, what would you say to parents that say um, our childhood was better when we grew up? It was different. Yours, you lose the values or the the importance of things that we believed in. What would you tell them? Again, tell me again. What was the, the you know I'm very hard of hearing. Uh, parents that would say your generation is lacking of what my generation had. You don't read enough. You don't know enough. You're too much with screens. You don't have values. Uh, you don't, and what we had was much better and we're sorry to lose it and to miss it. What would you tell them? You know, nostalgia is a very common human feeling, but you know, there is this autobiography by Simone Signore ah. with the title, even nostalgia is no longer what it was. <laughs> so, so that's where we tell you know, okay, it was different. Definitely, there were things I miss my father very much. Okay, and I miss him. I miss the way he was. Okay, but you know, you cannot live by nostalgia. It can warm sometimes the cockles of. Can you heart. pull out things? Can can and, you pull? Can you pull out things by nostalgia? And in no. play, in, you know, and but you carry it with you. you no, no, no. And, and when we recognize, when he recognize, right. there, okay, the inner warmth that nostalgia gives them, okay, then you are one step forward. Right. I'll tell you when I talking about this new authority, this, we haven't invented it out of nothing. Okay, it is not that we said, well, new authority, let's define it. No. Okay, what was the inspiration for this new authority? And that's how we talk with those nostalgic parents too. All of us have memories of adults, maybe an uncle, maybe a grandfather, maybe a special teacher who were special. Mm -hmm. They had influence and we respected them deeply. Okay, 
perhaps much more deeply than our own parents. We all have. And they, what did they do? How did they do it? Okay, what was the mystery of their influence? So, in what I call the new authority, I, I'm actually trying to characterize what these people did differently. Okay, so that we have those memories. And so I'm appealing even to the nostalgic feelings yeah. of those fathers and mothers and say, you know, this model is developed because there were people like that. We all know them. We have them in our memory. We have them in our minds. And then what am I doing? I'm connecting to those nostalgic feelings, which are valuable. And I'm offering them to create an echo of those experiences in present life. Okay. So you, do you have like, I don't know, if, so about the new authority, can you, can you give me a notion of like two, three steps that they, a person should take to come out from where he is into the new authority? Yeah, okay. The first thing is that distance is not a good thing. Marginalization is not a good thing. Laissez-faire is not a good thing when the child shows problems. Okay, there are children who grow up well with laissez-faire. The majority don't. Okay, so instead of being distanced and detached, okay, that's the dog. She's a very important part of my life now that the children have... We have a dog here too. Now it's rare that it's ah, not... So okay, better behaved. Okay. We help parents to regain their presence, to say again, I'm here. You can't get rid of me. How do they do this? Like, for instance, they start to get in touch with people in the child's surroundings, okay? The teachers, uh, the parents of the child's friends. It's important and we help them so they become more present and they are able, they're able to tell their child, you know, I talked to Mary's mother and we've decided, we two parents have decided to do this. She has developed a kind of presence in the child's life. They, or say a child, okay, an adolescent is, is disappearing from home at night and never tells them the parents where he is. Very common problem today, okay, vanishing. Okay, so the parent says, look, now we'll see what is this presence. I cannot force you to stay at home. I cannot control you, your legs, your mouth, your mouth, or definitely your back. But if you go out, it's in the middle of the week. And if you go out and you don't tell me where you are, then I'll look for you because I, I cannot give you up. And then we help the parents to look for the children. We have developed procedures. This is presence. Right. And self-control, okay? Parents lose, lose it. Yeah, very oh. often because they get into clashes and they right. flip up. So we have a series of, let's say, <laughs> principles that parents can implement to regain their self-control. The first one is an interesting one. It's a kind of a mantra. You should strike the iron when it is cold. That means not react in the heat of the moment, but tell the child, look, I can't accept this. I'm going to think about it. And then they come back to the child right. some hours later or next day. So they are showing the child that they have a memory. They're keeping, and there is a continuity here. So this is self-control. 
Yeah, and this is very helpful. Okay, this idea, you cannot control the child, you can only control yourselves. This is a big change and and they learn to do this. They learn to tell the child, you know, I can't force you to do anything, which is true. Okay, and parents say, I can't force you. Parents sometimes, if they are willing to use might, they can force the child to do something now when they are there, but when they are not there, they cannot. Okay, so they can control themselves. Okay, this is a big difference. Right. And then we create this network. Okay, they talk to grandfather, they talk to uncle, they call to the, to, to talk to the teacher. And okay, grandfather calls the child next day. Hey, I know that you beat up your sister yesterday. How do you know? It told you not, you know, your mother told me, but perhaps you forget she is my okay, grandchild as much as you. I love you very much, but I love her no less than you. And I won't put up with a situation in which you beat up your, humiliate your sister in front of your friend. And I'll talk to your mother every day and also to your sister to know how this is going. What we are doing, we're backing up the mother's position. Okay, let's say that this is a divorced family and the mother is alone. Okay, so this is a very strong, we do it in different ways. We create those support systems and children react Okay, they get angry sometimes. Why did you tell that? And then the mother, this is not only your problem. It's also my problem. So I can talk to my father about my problems as much as I want. One, okay, one. So we are building it. That's how we do it. I have time, you know, in today's life, there are so many families that grow without extended families. Many people work long days or beyond. Um, parents are divorced or one parent is gone and you have like a team of people that is working with the kids and it's like it it all of a sudden the family becomes helpers you know and people you pay for and how do you navigate with all these group of people that basically replace what we know from the original family and we increase the connectedness yeah. Okay. If we succeed in increasing the connectedness, let's say uh, there is a somebody who's taking care of the child, okay, during the day until the mother comes back from work, okay, a nanny or something like that, okay, or okay, the child is in school most of the day. If this parent who's not there, okay, learns to update herself on what is happening to the child. And to update the teacher and the nanny about what is happening when they are not there. Okay, so next day, child comes back from school and the mother or the father can tell him, you know, today I know that you did very well in math. How do you know? Oh, well, I'm in touch with your teacher now and we are updating each other. Wow. Okay, so they're increasing their presence because they are becoming a we. Okay, it is not only I, the I is an atom, the we is a network. Right, right. Chaim, what is your take on homework, especially at early age? Well, you know, as I said, children grow up better when there are limits and demands than when there aren't. Okay, so if it is possible, say you have to find the right way, okay? the right way for this parent and this child. We don't have a recipe for everyone. You have, we have the principles. So the idea is, can this 
parent accompany the child who's having difficulties in doing homework? Okay, for instance, a small child, seven, eight years old, nine years old. Okay, can one of the parents sit with him for half an hour a day? If not possible, if it is a child with ADHD, 15 minutes a day. But right. this is a moment of accompaniment, is a moment of presence, is a moment in which something is established. It's also bonding. That's right. There is structure. We are creating structure. But yes. in many homes, it's the opposite of bonding because it's a play, you know, territory for fights. And I remember when my kids went to school in New York, it was a very progressive Jewish school. Uh, so they had much less time at home because they had double curriculum at school. And the principal told us not to help them in certain ways because everything is very progressive and it's nothing like what we do. And I said, why don't you cover homework at school and leave us the little time that we have for us to do what we want to do with the kids? And I always feel that they always leave something for home and I'm not sure it's really necessary because there are is. so I many other things to do. And you said like 15 um, minutes, 20 minutes. But I sat with them for more, but, yeah, but not but about, about homework. Uh, well, there, know, there is another... You, know, you, have to, you have to find a common language. Yeah. A common language with the school. If you find a common language with the school, you will be able to play a better role. Okay? So that uh, I listen to what the teacher is telling me. And I say, okay, let's see how I can help in what you're doing. Okay, if we succeed, okay, one of the things that we have demonstrated that we achieve with a new authority is improving teacher-parent communication. Okay, we give lessons in teacher-parent diplomacy, both for parents and for teachers. We do it in schools. Teachers learn ways of addressing parents because teachers many times are in against the wall by parent, parental credit, and the contrary. So if we create this common language, it takes an effort and you have to understand that this is important. So that something that is done in collaboration between the teacher and the parent is worth double because it is like a choir in the child. I talked to your teacher and we decided Okay, the those things you should do only at school. Yeah, but I also want to have a say, a small one, okay, in your education. And let us say we do this together. What do you say? So, okay, we are creating and a, common negotiate. And a common denominator. Yeah, common but, but, you know, um, I, we don't have much time, but so maybe I will ask us, you to come back because there is now... How do you, because I know that you dealt with post-trauma. Yeah. Now, but you know, this is something I'm really interested in. But what about uh, children that the parents divorced? Yeah. Do you think this event uh, for most kid, kid, kids, the reaction is into the category of post-trauma? I think that the, the, the word trauma, the concept of trauma is, uh, is used too ways that are, uh, right. are crazy okay everything becomes a trauma right. okay right uh, so that is enough you know, there are traumatic experiences the tra and the damage in traumatic experience but I, I only think that real massive things 
should be considered like that. You take a divorce. Divorce is a difficult experience for every child, okay? Absolutely no doubt about it. A difficult experience. And, okay, in order, and now, if it is a violent divorce, it is not worse. Okay, if there is complete disconnection between the parents, it is worse. If there is also blaming afterwards, it is all the, so the damage keeps growing. Okay, so the divorce in itself is painful, but will not be a trauma. A trauma may be created if it is really an explosion, violence, and disconnection. Then you have a progressive, okay, an accumulation of factors. But I did a lot of work with trauma. Okay, actually, the start of my career, I began yes. my career with developing a model for, uh, for dealing with battle trauma. Okay, in in the army, right. I, I, actually, I devised the first guidelines for battle trauma in the Israeli army. This was after the Yom Kippur War. Okay, so, so that, uh, you know, also the knowledge that we have about battle trauma is that if you keep the presence, if you keep the soldier close to his, to his pals, to his unit, with bonds to his unit, if you don't, disconnecting completely from the situation, you get much better recovery, much less okay, risk of post-traumatic uh, syndrome. Okay, so the idea that, no, he has a post-traumatic syndrome, he has to be taken out from any connection with the, with the army and the world. This is a very bad idea. Okay, so that con connection, increasing connection, okay, keeping the child involved, it's very, very important. And so that if we can succeed in reducing okay, the heat of these divorce, right. uh, then we won't have a trauma. We will have a difficult experience that can be mastered and sometimes can yeah. also, okay, you know, there is a concept, a very important concept, which is called post-traumatic growth. Right. It, turns oh. out, yeah, it started with people who got cancer. Okay. It turns out that quite a big proportion of people who got cancer okay, feel, and it's, it has also been documented objectively, that the bout with cancer was positive in their lives. Okay. So trauma, trauma, everything is trauma. Okay. So we are at a trauma-obsessed society we have become, and we use it everywhere now. Yeah, I agree with you. But it's also, you know, a question of, you talk now about cancer, it's also gaining perspective. And if you can give even a perspective to a child, you know, perspective can help, I think. But uh, I, don't, I don't envy you, because I think... No, because okay. you encounter, you have to, no, you encounter, especially now. Uh, it's much more difficult now with all the violence around Difficult what? what? Difficult to do Much what? more violence around us, much more fear. So then I have more parnose, okay? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It's not more difficult to solve because so many things... We don't have control, like what's happening in the country, what's happening with violence on the streets, what's happening the way parliament members are talking. No, we can't control. We can't control. Yes. We, we can, can improve. Control. We can improve. We can improve. Okay? We can do what I call 
we can increase our vigilant care, okay? That our ability to keep a finger on the post and ear to the ground. This is the mental presence with the child and accompaniment. Okay, in Hebrew, there is a word, ashgacha. Ashgacha means both providence, okay? You look providence, you're looking at what is going to help and also kind of an accompaniment, but it's no control. Okay, it's no control. It's also already in the Talmud is written, okay? The, okay, the, the man, okay, the, the human being has a free choice, but there is an ashgacha, there is this providence. And this idea of providence that the parents can accompany, even a mental accompaniment of the child, reduces risk of all kinds. We have shown that it reduces risk of all kinds. We have a number of studies on this ashgaha, on this okay, vigilant care. And it reduces okay, risk of accidents, risk of violence, risk of delinquents, risk of bad companions, okay, bad friends, risk of drugs, risk of suicide. I'm now writing a book on the prevention oh, of suicide. Yeah, right. uh, risk of computer abuse. We have succeeded with this model to reduce computer abuse very significantly. Okay, so that is the kind of attitude that we try to develop. It. Okay, this ashgacha is actually a manifestation. So these are the steps to uh, acquire or get this notion of ashgacha is what yeah. are you talking the steps before? Like not, not being detached? Like, well, you know, it's, actually, it's, a, it's a manifestation of presence, okay? I become presence in the child's mind. If I'm present, if, if I get the child to think about me because he knows I'm thinking about him, okay? okay then we have a reduction of risk. I'll tell you how we do this, for instance. I did it we, uh, with uh, 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 driving. Teens, teens, okay, when we have just received the driving permit, okay, the dangerous drivers, the boys, the girls are not, okay, so research is very clear, only the boys are dangerous drivers, okay, girls make little accidents that cost a little for the, but the boys are the dangerous, so we have a program, okay, for helping parents conduct this ashbeha, this finger on the post, so the idea is how can I get to the mind of my child. Okay, so the child is getting the family car to go to a party on Friday evening. We all know that the adolescents are out driving Friday evenings in Israel, dangerous. So the mother comes to the child, this teen, and she says, now here is the keys to the car, but I have a small favor to ask from you. What is it, mom? I'm already late. You know, it's very small. I want you to send me a WhatsApp once you get to the party and another WhatsApp just before midnight so that I can go to sleep. And if you do that, please take the kids to the car and we convince parents that this is really a very modest request. Okay, she's giving the car and she's asking for two WhatsApp, two words. Everything okay? That's it. Now, let's say that the child says, oh, mom, I don't know, I'll be busy. Then comes the father, and the father tells us, look, if your mother doesn't sleep, I don't sleep too. <laughs> so you send, okay? So you send that WhatsApp, okay? So that we get this. We get 95% of the children 
sent those WhatsApps when we have demonstrated yeah. objectively that there was much less driving danger. We came and published this study. Amazing. So Amazing. This is the Sashkaha. This is this presentmental presence as an accompaniment. Right. There is a story in the Midrash. Okay, the Midrash is a uh, part of the Talmud, okay, collection of stories of the rabbis of old. I'm talking about uh, third, second to sixth century AD, okay, very old story. So there's a story about, uh, they the, the ask the question, how did Joseph in the Bible, who was being seduced by Potiphar's wife, okay, how could he resist the temptation? And they ask, okay, the, 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 the fathers, okay, the, the wise fathers of the town, they ask, how could Joseph, in the strength of his manhood, that's how, the, in the strength of his manhood, and we have, can imagine his situation, what is the strength of his manhood? How could he stand up to the temptation? And the answer is, because the countenance of his father appeared to him. The face of his father appeared to him, Jacob, who I hadn't seen for 15 years, appeared to him. That was it. This is the mental accompaniment. You and see, old ideas, not new ideas. They, we are giving them a new, uh, okay, new garments. That's what we are doing. We are adapting them into situations like driving and computer abuse. Time, you need to go. Wonderful. And yeah, we'll, you need to go. We'll right. meet you again for more. Thank you. Okay. I want to thank you so much, right? And thank you, Tim. Okay. Thank you, everyone okay. who came. And you covered the lot and you opened my eyes. And see you bye next bye week. Bye. Thank so you. Thank you. Bye.